Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Psalm 133, New Living Translation. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Let me read that one more again. That's the whole psalm right there. One more again. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Amen. Again, our theme for this month is Harmony 133. As we celebrate 133 years, we'll focus on the 133rd Psalm. And today I want to share a word with you entitled Harmony with the Brothers and the Sisters. Harmony with the brothers and the sisters. Click share if you're on YouTube Live. If you can uh, just copy that link and put it on Twitter or another platform or email it to someone, invite them to worship with us. If you're on Facebook Live, just share this word so that others can join us. This is a word for the body of Christ. As you're going to see in a few minutes, this is a word for the entire body of Christ. Amen. Harmony with the brothers and the sisters. I have a pastor friend here in our city uh, whom I enjoy. I enjoy a very special bond and friendship. I see him as more than a colleague. He is my friend, and our friendship means a lot to both of us. We talk and share different things we're doing. We enjoy laughter and support one another's preaching. We've preached for one another. We've had lunch on numerous occasions. He has helped me become a better person, a better leader and pastor. I know he likes a little fruit. Uh, of the vine, as do I. Uh, So one day I grabbed an extra bottle of my favorite and texted him that I had a little something, something for him and brought it to him as a gift. Uh, We share, we share, uh, we share a love for preaching. We we, we share uh, a great fellowship and this friendship we both treasure and this undeniable mutual respect for one another, but but we disagree on whether women should serve in ministry. We disagree when it comes to women preaching. We, it's a dis- disagreement and this different in, difference in theological perspective and ministry practice has come up maybe twice in the, the whole time we've known each other. Our differences are clear and we know where each of us stand. We don't argue about it. We don't joke about it. We haven't fallen out over it or, or anything else for that matter. It, it never comes up in any of our conversations. It doesn't need to. We fought together to make the city of Warner Robins a better city. We fought together to make Houston County a better county. We've done outreach efforts together. We've raised money to support causes together. We agree on way too much 
to allow where we differ to split us apart and prevent us from partnering to impact the least of these and improve where we and our parishioners live. We, what we have as friends, not just colleagues, but friends, fits what David describes in our text today. We have, my friend and I have something good, pleasant, precious, and refreshing. David speaks of unity in the King James Version, the New Living Translation, translate that same word, that same, con that same concept as harmony, harmony. This Psalm speaks beautifully of brotherly love as expressed in unity and harmony in a religious or a familial context. The King James Version puts verse one like this, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. New Living Translation, as I've read for you twice, here it is a third time, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. In the King James Version, David began the psalm with the word, behold, behold. He's calling his audience's attention to this notion of brotherly love, this unity, this harmony. David is saying, hey, focus on what it means for us to do life together as those who worship the Lord. Behold or prioritize being kinfolk joined together, united with one accord on the same page, embracing the same beliefs, values, principles going in the same direction. He is saying, look at how much we are alike. We're together on many issues that really matter and make life wonderful despite its many challenges. We're one group fighting together rather than fighting against one another. We are all a piece of something that when we all come together, we complete it and we're stronger for it. Each of us as worshipers or members of a family or tribe is a piece of a puzzle. And when we dwell together, we complete a picture of what God had in mind when he created man. It is something good, pleasant, precious and refreshing. All of this is in the Hebrew language David used as he said, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. David, again, y'all said, behold, he was calling for worshipers to place their focus on the beauty of worshipers of God living in harmony. We are brethren, or if I can just be a little more inclusive today, we're sistering. We have a togetherness, a familial relationship, and some of us have experienced it in the military, Colonel Jones. Some of us, or some of you in Greek fraternities and sororities may have experienced it in your respective frat or sorority. This is what I sense the Lord calling Union Grove to focus on as we celebrate our 133rd church anniversary. Harmony. Behold, Union Grove, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren and sisterin to dwell together in unity, harmony, with one accord, embracing the same beliefs, priorities, principles going in the same direction each of us union grove is a piece of a puzzle when we dwell together we complete a picture of what god had in mind when he created man what we have has to be and to some of us it is good pleasant precious and refreshing david said it's wonderful when you're a part of it he didn't say uh, how to make harmony happen he didn't provide a reason for the harmony happening. He just said, it's a wonderful thing when it happens. He described it again as good. In other words, fitted to promote happiness. Being a part of this ought make all of us happy. He described it as pleasant. In other words, sweet, 
delightful, lovely, or sweet-sounding music. Harmony amongst the people of God is like your favorite singers, your favorite all-time singers, your four favorite all-time singers in a quartet singing your favorite song with the, with the music played on your favorite instruments. Can you imagine Marvin Gaye, Luther Vandross, Will Downing Jr., and Maxwell singing, Here, my dear, or if only for one night? Would, wouldn't that be something? Can you, can, can, listen, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be a beautiful sound? How about Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, Kim Burrell, and Layla Hathaway singing, I will always love you, or the closer I get to you? Holler if you hear me. He also compared this harmony amongst the brethren to a couple of things in verse 2. In verse 2, he compared it to the anointing, the precious anointing that began upon the head, ran down the beard, and down Aaron's robe. Look, look if you will, at verse number 2. This harmony, this harmony is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. He's saying that this anointing, is, this anointing oil is precious. It, it was a very fragrant, uh, consecrating oil. It was special. It wasn't just any old oil. It was precious ointment for holy use. To be anointed with this oil meant something special. It speaks, again, y'all, of consecration, being endowed with power and delivered from sickness and disease. David compared this harmony with the anointing oil to convey harmony is precious. The anointing oil was special and precious because it was holy and made of precious ingredients. It is comprised of myrrh, cinnamon, sweet calamus, cassia, and olive oil. These ingredients together in this oil was not to be a recipe for any other oil to be used for anything else. It was, an oil, it was a recipe specifically for a sanctifying anointing oil. It was to belong to God alone for his use. It is precious and so is harmony amongst those who worship the Lord. Harmony is precious. The comparison to the anointing oil was not only to convey how precious it was, but also its abundance. Its abundance. David speaks of this anointing oil being poured so it runs down the head, down the beard, down to Aaron's robe, even to the bottom of his robe. He was conveying that there would be a lot of oil being poured. It was abundant. The abundance of the oil in David's poem is to suggest the goodness and pleasantness would abound amongst God's people as we dwell or live together in harmony. We have a lot of joy and bliss as we do life together as people who belong to God. Then finally, David's comparison to the oil used to anoint Aaron was to speak of unity and how it anointed the whole man. It was to go from the crown of his head down to the very bottom of his robe. It was to anoint the whole man. And on that robe was a ble would be a breastplate with the 12 tribes of Israel. So David is possibly inferring that the precious abundant oil was to run over the breastplate symbolically covering the whole people of God. Not just the tribe of Reuben or Simeon or Levi or Judah, Issachar, Zebulun or Dan. Not just the tribe of Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Benjamin, Joseph, Ephraim or Manasseh. All of them. Every last one of them uh, for as, as a whole they comprised the people of God, the brethren. And the oil was to run from his head down the entire robe to cover that breastplate in all of the people of God. So this ought shape how we approach today's text. 
This notion of harmony isn't for our congregation alone. It speaks of how you as an individual and how we as a congregation fit into the whole entire body of Christ. It is in the whole entire body of Christ, the people of God in the kingdom. We are brothers and sisters. We are brethren and sisterin. In the body, there is to be a harmony that is precious, abundant, and unifying. It is to be good, pleasant, precious, and refreshing. But then in verse 3, David also compared this harmony, this unity, to the dew of Hermon and the mountains of Zion. In, in verse 3, the dew, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. David's comparing this harmony amongst the brethren to the dew upon Hermon. And the mountains of Zion poses a problem in interpretation. I tend to side with those who believe that David was, was referring to Mount, Z Mount Hermon's highest altitude, possibly being around 10,000 feet above sea level. And so it allowed steady precipitation in the forms of rain, snow, and dew. So Mount Hermon was known for lush greenery throughout the year. Mount Zion, on the other hand, had virtually no precipitation during the summer months uh, when people were more likely to travel. So David may be suggesting to his hearers that if possible, if possible, uh, the dew from Mount Hermon could travel 99 miles to the mountains of Zion. And the beauty and the lush greenery that you would see on Mount Hermon would influence and impact and refresh the, the dry parched mountains of Mount Zion. David is trying to convey in a very poetic way that harmony amongst the brethren is refreshing to everyone who is apart. The gentleness, the rejuvenating nature of harmonious brotherhood is as if the dew of Mount Hermon could refresh the mountains of Zion. Now, while I agree with David's conclusion on harmony amongst the brethren and sisterin being a good, pleasant, precious, and refreshing thing, let's be honest, there's hurt amongst us too. There are a number of people who have been wounded by the brethren. As David spoke reverently about the brethren, he must not have known how some of us talk resentfully about church folk. David must not have known how so many pastors are out of gas in their encouragement in hope tanks because of the stresses of leading church folk. David must, must not have known about how church hurt and how so many saints have resolved they're no longer going to engage in congregational life or no longer serve in ministry. Perhaps David was not aware, y'all, of how our theological differences, how our fears, our corruption, our hypocrisy, our unfair labeling, our unbridled anger, our political disagreements can generate some very hostile smoke amongst the brethren. Y'all, David never heard of church splits or family feuds in churches. He'd never seen the destructive winds of gossip, racism, or sexism amongst the brethren. I've seen deacons show out against a pastor in a packed church on men's day. I've attended meetings where members fussed about the pastor's long-distance phone calls on the church's phone. Apparently, that was a long time ago. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen, First Lady and I have seen a pastor resign from his church during his Sunday afternoon pastor's anniversary worship in front of all who were gathered to include all of us who were guests from out of state. 
He, we had church, the preacher preached, doors of the church were open, all of the presentations, my man waited till he got all of his presentations, all of his gifts, all of his love offerings, all of his brand new suits. He gets up to give his remarks at his pastoral anniversary and brother resigned. We got in the office and the pastor I was serving at that time, he went off. He said, man, did you have to do that today? In front of my folk, man, did you have to do that today? It was time, Reb, it was just time. But did you, couldn't you call a meeting like later this week? Did you have to do it today? Oh my God, the things we see in church, the fights, the brawls, the, the calling the sheriff department, it's all, all of this happening in church. I've been to court to support pastor friends of mine in lawsuits against their members who tried to vote them out. And yeah, I'm sure you as well as I have seen videos of fist fights and even, even, in the, even in the presence of law enforcement during church meetings. While harmony amongst God's people is a wonderful thing, hurt happens too. But this hurt amongst the saints doesn't only happen at church. It can happen where you work. You can work with or for some saints and get hurt. You think working with and or for some, some the, the people of God would be dope. You would think it would be the bomb. You would think it would be fire. But sometimes you don't get the Sunday morning version of your coworkers. You get the Monday morning, bring my drama to work first thing in the morning, always in the middle of mess. Don't make me cuss you out version of your saved church work coworkers. Have you ever been wounded by the coworker you thought taught Sunday school or was the pastor or was the first lady or was the deacon or the choir director? Or oh, I'm going to tell you once you want to look out for some people on your job. Look out for them ones who claim to be over the media. Them the ones you need to look out for. <laughs> if you could only see Pastor Madison standing up, number love for you. <laughs> The media, the ones on your job who serve in media at their church are the best people to work with and work for since Adam crossed the Red Sea. Yeah. <laughs> it is and has always been difficult for Christians to live together in unity. The history of the church is rampant with hostile splits excommunications and persons being labeled as heretics. The Reformation, which separated all of us who aren't Catholic from the Catholic Church and birthed Protestant Christianity did not happen without overwhelming tension and hostility. The various denominations within Christendom were not birthed with peaceful or grand celebrations. Even in scripture, even in the New Testament, Paul and Barnabas had a heated disagreement over John Mark. It is becoming more and more difficult to see citizens of the United States living together in unity. The political and racial hostility is reminding many of days gone by. Some older African Americans who vividly remember the tension in America during the height of the civil rights movement are saying they feel like they're reliving the 60s. But David asserts it is a blessing for brethren and sisterin to dwell together in unity. Harmony with the brothers and sisters that's good, pleasant, precious, and refreshing can be a reality. 
disharmony reminds me of what South Africans refer to as Ubuntu. U-B-U-N-T-U. Ubuntu is humanistic at its core. It places emphasis on the significance of the individual, deriving their significance from their respective community. In Ubuntu, a person cannot realize their full potential outside of a larger community. Ubuntu promotes warmth amongst persons all persons it goes below the surface it goes below the surface everyone looks out for everyone it genuinely seeks to build relationships where people care for the well-being of others no matter who they are Archbishop Desmond Tutu and President Nelson Mandela promoted Ubuntu when there was a transition or transfer of power from minority whites to majority blacks in South Africa. Ubuntu, this genuine warmth and kindness in community, was to prevent black South Africans who had been oppressed by a minority white South Africans it was to prevent them from being resentful. It was, prevent them, it was to prevent them from, from paying the white citizens back for the mistreatment that they had endured. It was to prevent tension and, and go further than tolerance amongst black and white people in South Africa. Everyone practicing Ubuntu was to diminish, if not eliminate, resentment, hostility, and tension between the races. Everyone would be treated as a welcome part of a thriving community of brotherhood under Ubuntu. So then, who is the brethren? When David refers to these brethren, who, to whom does David refer? Who is our brother? Who is our sister? The Hebrew word David used could refer to literal blood brothers or kinfolk or folks from the same tribe. For followers of Jesus, who is our brother or sister? The easy answer is any blood-bought, sin-washed follower of Jesus Christ is our brother and our sister. Anyone who has admitted they were a sinner, believed that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins, was buried in a borrowed grave, and raised from the dead, confessed Jesus as Lord, is our brother or our sister. Followers of Jesus who speak in tongues and those who do not are still our brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether you were baptized in Jesus' name or in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we are all kinfolk in Christ. Whether you were baptized by immersion or sprinkled does not matter. We're kinfolk in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're a Trump supporter or down with Biden, Harris, we're kinfolk in Christ. Whether you're down with Black Lives Matter or have concluded that they are an anti-American terrorist organization, you're my brother or sister in the Lord if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you're a saved and sanctified Jesus follower who is a white supremacist and you mistakenly believe that you are superior to me and other people of color, you are my brother or sister in Christ. You are my horribly misguided brother or sister, but we're kinfolk in the Lord. If you were born male but identify as female, choose as pronouns she or her and prefer to be called by a female's name, you're my kinfolk. I don't know if you're my brother or my sister. I, I think it, it depends on how God looks at you, but you're my kinfolk. You're my kinfolk. Amongst this kinfolk is to be a harmony that is so awesome that it is good, pleasant, precious, and refreshing. These, these are some issues that I, that I mentioned, some issues that are dividing the brethren. 
These are serious issues that bring in the heat within the body of Christ. Too many of us are allowing our differences to question one another's salvation, love for God, and understanding of his word. Too many of us in the brethren, the kinfolk of Christ, are acting as though we can pick who is and who is not our brother and sister in the Lord. I've come to serve notice to all of us, black, white, Trump supporter, Biden supporter, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. We don't pick who is our brother or sister in Christ. I have five siblings. I have five siblings, three brothers and two sisters. I had no say in whether they became a part of my family, especially considering I showed up last. I'm, I'm number six of six. I'm the baby of the family. But regardless of how me and my siblings feel about it, we were born of the same man and woman. We are siblings and nothing can undo it. We decide whether we will treat one another as brothers and sisters. We make that decision, but we do not decide whether we are brothers or sisters. Blood made that decision. I don't think y'all hear me. I said blood made that decision. Ephesians 2, 12. In 13, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You as Gentiles lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. Blood made that decision. Not your political affiliation, not the color of your skin, not your gender. The blood of Jesus has made all of us brothers and sisters in Christ. And living together, working together, following one another on social media is supposed to be good, precious, pleasant, and refreshing. We are all supposed to live together as brothers and sisters in a state of harmony that reminds us of the anointing on Aaron's head that ran down his beard even to the bottom of his robe. Our being together is to be like dew on Mount Hermon, refreshing, if it could, the mountains of Zion. All I want to say today is we must do better at embracing our blood-bought brothers and sisters. Do not allow another's, another believer's tweet, post, bumper sticker, ball cap, t-shirt, or anything bring you so low that you label them as anything other than your brother or sister in Christ. And I'll be the first to admit that this is difficult. This is difficult. This is cussing mad difficult. But someone has to declare, I will not allow someone else's different theological view, political ideology, or just plain meanness or nastiness or blatant hate make me label them as anything less than my brother or sister in Christ. We must not allow ourselves to kick persons to the curb because they just don't get it. This is not easy, but there's, there's supposed to be an abundant harmony in our father's family. This harmony of our brothers and sisters is supposed to be good, pleasant, precious, and refreshing. This harmony can be difficult to establish. This harmony can be very difficult to sustain and intensify. But we must be mindful of the words of our Savior, who told us in John 13, 34, and 35, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have have loved you that ye also love one another by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another how you love one another will be the key not how 
how you vote on election day, how you love one another will be the key. Not by the whether you wear a MAGA ball cap or a BLM t-shirt. It's the love you have for one another. How the world will know that all of y'all, all of us are disciples of the Lord Jesus. Now don't get it twisted. This love does not equate to co-signing however anyone wants to live their life. Just because I disagree with a lifestyle does not mean I hate the person who lives that lifestyle. If you disagree with my following Christ, but you're a warm, kind, compassionate person toward me, I don't label you as a hater. If you express your disbelief in Jesus being Savior of the world, I do not label such language as hate speech. It means we disagree when it comes to Jesus being the savior of the world and my deciding to live my life for him. Brothers and sisters in Christ are to live, are to love one another the way Christ loves us. We are to love anyway. This harmony with brothers and sisters in Christ is generated, sustained, and intensified by followers of Jesus who decide to love anyway. I believe that ought to be part of our theme this month. Love anyway. I know they're filled with hate, but you love anyway. I know they don't want you to do well in life, but you love anyway. I know they may disagree with your theology, but you love anyway. They may disagree with where you stand on poverty, but you love anyway. They may disagree with where you stand on police brutality, but you love you and I. We've got to love anyway. This month, I'm challenging Union Grove under the unction of the Holy Ghost that we up our game when it comes to love. Let's harmonize with one another, not only in our church, but even in the body of Christ and make a commitment. We're going to love anyway. Is anybody with me today? That's what I want to encourage you to do. In our 133rd church anniversary, we love anyway. And there are other followers of Christ who tried to make life hard for you, but love them anyway. Anyone who names the name of Christ who doesn't get it and act like they don't want to get it, love them anyway. Whether they proclaim be black lives matter or all lives matter, love them anyway. If they hate your guts, love them anyway. If they lie on you, gossip about you, scandalize your name, love them anyway. Anyway, now that's a sweet song that all of us can sing in this season. That ought to be our song that our ministry sings to this community. We love anyway. Union Grove, let's sing it to others regardless of how they feel about racism, sexism, or poverty, or helping the least of these. We love anyway. It's not a new song I'm challenging us to sing. We've been singing it for 133 years. Not singing it during devotion, but singing it and how we serve and how we minister to one another and the community at large. We sing it through life changers. We sing it through evangelism efforts right here in the community. We sing it when we went to Ghana on missions trips. We sing it when we go to Pearl Stevens Elementary School. We sing it when we adopted that elementary school. We sing it when we serve at Rosemont or the Dooley Men's Prison or various nursing homes here in Warner Robins. Our Union Grove is a church that sings in harmony. We love anyway. Is anybody praying with me? We've done it in our summer camps, summer lunch programs, and food giveaways. That's what we do in the Grove Zone. Old people sing it as well as young people sing it. The affluent sing it as well as those on the come up sing it. We love anyway. And that's the song we'll sing to one another in our church family. I love you anyway. That's what we'll sing on the job to other saints of God who may look different, worship different, we love anyway. We'll sing it in word and in deeds. I love you anyway. Everyone can sing that song. 
Everyone can sing it in love anyway. We can harmonize and unite behind that. There's, there's a laundry list of issues where we will disagree with one another, but we can all agree to the need to love anyway. Followers of Jesus can be hated, mistreated, and persecuted, but love anyway. As we behold and focus on this church, as a, as is, uh, focus on this as a church family, we commit to being a part of the solution in the body of Christ and in our country. Loving anyway is a song all of us can sing, and we must be strong to sing this song. We must be kind to sing this song. We must go deeper in our worship to sing this song. We must believe that this dark, lost world needs this kind of love, a love that loves anyway. A love that does not seek revenge. A love that Paul described when he says love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This love will sweeten our church family. This love will edify the body of Christ. This love will empower us to shine as lights in this dark world. This world that's so full of hate. This world that's so full of prejudice. This world that's so blind and corrupt. Love is the antidote. Love is the vaccine to the hate virus. This love will give hope to the hopeless. Dreams to those in despair and healing to those who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Can I get a witness here? I'm challenging all of us to have harmony with the brothers and sisters, whether they're white brothers or black brothers, white sisters or black sisters. Let's have harmony with the brothers and the sisters. Love anyway. Can I get a witness here? I'm challenging us to do it because the Bible commands us to do it. But as I get ready to close, I got to also tell you that another reason for us to love anyway is because that's how God loves us. He loves us anyway. Is there anybody besides me who was jacked up and toe up from the flow up, but God loved you anyway? Is there anybody here who was a shown up mess when you came to Jesus, but you came to Jesus just as you were, weary, wounded, and sad, but you found in him a resting place, and he has made you glad because he loved you anyway. I wonder who's not too ashamed to testify that when you came to Jesus, you were high as a kite, but he loved you anyway. Is there anybody willing to testify that when you came to Jesus, you were on the verge of suicide, but he loved you anyway. Glory to God. That's my testimony. He loved me anyway. Despite how sinful I was, despite how jacked up I was. He loved me anyway. And if I could testify a little bit more, despite how jacked up I still am, despite how messed up I still am, he loves me anyway. That's the kind of love we have from the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll look beyond your faults. He will meet your needs. He'll pick you up. He'll turn you around. He'll place your feet on solid 
ground. Can I get a witness here? Won't he do it? Won't he turn your life around? Has he ever done it for you? Has he anointed you anyway? Has he filled you with the Holy Ghost anyway? Did he heal your body anyway? Did he fight your battles anyway? Did he save your soul anyway? And that why we praise him like we do? I praise him anyway because he saved me anyway. That's why I tell him thank you anyway. Sometimes with tears in my eyes, I got to tell him thank you anyway because he opens doors anyway. He makes ways anyway. When I don't deserve it, he'll do it anyway. Let me close by encouraging somebody. We've got to love anyway. If he blessed you anyway, we've got to love anyway. If he saved you anyway, we've got to love anyway. Hallelujah. Because despite how jacked up we are, God is able to turn America around. God is able to turn the body of Christ around. And he'll do it not because we deserve it. He'll do it not because we protest for it. He'll do it because he's gracious. He'll do it because he's loving He'll do it anyway. He'll do it despite how we don't deserve it. He'll do it anyway. And if you need a blessing right there in your own household, he'll bless you anyway. If you need a miracle in your own life, I want to tell you he'll do it anyway. And while you're waiting on God to do it, I dare you to go ahead and praise him. You don't have it yet. You're still waiting on it. But praise him anyway. You're still waiting on the manifestation. But can you tell them thank you anyway? And when people ask you, did you get the blessing? Did he come through for you? Did he make it do what it do for you? Tell him, no, not yet. But I'm going to praise him anyway. I'm going to give him glory anyway. I'm going to tell him thank you anyway. Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Hallelujah for loving me anyway. Hallelujah for saving me anyway. Hallelujah as I'm still here. Y'all, we are still here on September the 6th. Is it the 6th? September the 6th. 2020 when so many of our brothers and sisters have succumbed to COVID-19 but we have been kept anyway I'm not here because I deserve it I have not been kept alive because I deserved it God saw fit to keep me alive because he just did it anyway my heart breaks at the current state of affairs. My heart breaks not only, and I've shared this in Bible study, I don't know, I don't know what ticks me off more, whether it's what's happening in America or how Christians are responding. Y'all, we must be part of the solution. am challenging the flock of God, the brethren and sisters at Union Grove to, to, 
to pray for me as I pray for you that we love anyway and that we have that we have what so many people are looking for let's let's pray that it's more abundant more widespread we have it let's pray that it's more abundant and widespread a harmony a unity that's good is precious is pleasant is refreshing all this world is full of so much hate there's so much hostility so much tension it's everywhere it's everywhere someone has to not only believe that things can turn around but someone some people must must prioritize must behold we are called we are saved we are anointed to be a part of the solution let's do all that we can to never give in to hate let's do all we can to never give in to violence and I believe there's a difference between violence and protecting yourself let's not let's not go hunt folk that dis disagree with us in the name of protecting uh, some some type of interest let's not masquerade violence as if it's something good let's not call evil good and not call good evil we must be the salt of the earth the light of the world we must we must be part of the solution and so this harmony of which David speaks he doesn't tell us how it how it happens he doesn't tell us how they do it he just says that when you find it it's good and it's pleasant it's precious and it's refreshing I found it <laughs> I found it not only in my relationship with Jesus, I have found it with y'all. I have found it with the sheep God has privileged and graced me to shepherd. I found it. Doing life with so many of you. So many of you is good, pleasant, it's precious. It's our relationship, what we have is precious to me. It's refreshing. And I know many of you have found it as well. I know many of you have been hurt. I know many of you have been hurt. One more thing real quick. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that later. <laughs> We're going to go. Listen. Listen. This thing is so real. It's so necessary. It's, it's the solution. Let's do all we can to be it. To spread it. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.